Have you ever wondered what you could do to help your child be more resilient? Emily B. from North Dakota sent us that question. Our guest today has some great ideas on how we can help our children and ourselves become more resilient, along with a lot of other helpful information, including addressing fake realities. Stay tuned for more. Welcome to the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast, a show that lifts, encourages, supports, and educates mothers to do their best in their awesome responsibility to raise, teach, and champion the rising generation. Join us as we talk to and answer questions from mothers nationwide about the challenges, heartbreaks, joys, and lessons learned from one mother to another. Dr. Renee Renardi is a psychologist and the director of the Lakeside Center for Behavioral Change. She is the program developer of CourageCritters.com, a plush animal and online program to help children learn adaptive coping skills. She has settled in Fargo, North Dakota, where she resides with her husband, Chad, and their daughter. There, she has started a nonprofit and continues to be an advocate for mental health. She was named as the 2019 National Mother of the Year and served as a delegate to the 2021 United Nations Commission on the Status of Women. In addition to teaching, Dr. Renardi travels across America presenting at numerous conferences and trainings. She's even been interviewed on Good Morning America, North Dakota Today, and the Joy Behar Show, as well as being featured on Dateline NBC and Amy's Hoarders. Whenever she is not working, she plays a competitive game of Twister and enjoys traveling, hiking, and finding new adventures with her family. Dr. Renardi, it is an honor to have you on the show today. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. So tell me one of the favorite places that you have visited in your adventures with your family. We've been on quite a few adventures, but one that really stands out uh, a few years ago, just right before the pandemic, we flew to Barcelona and we took a transatlantic cruise. So I actually crossed the Atlantic Ocean with my husband and my daughter. (laughs) I didn't know how I'd handle nine days out at sea, (laughs) but actually it was pretty amazing. We had a great time. Another one that I would say is is right up there is um, Churchill, uh, Manitoba, which is right on the Hudson Bay. And um, I went there with my daughter again, right before the pandemic, and we got to see polar bears in their natural habitat and learned about Ooh. local culture. And it was fantastic. I got to take a helicopter ride. Those are a couple that really stand out as out of the ordinary adventures for sure. Well, Dr. Renardi, we are just thrilled to have you on the show today. And especially since so many parents and mothers specifically are dealing with the mental health struggles with their children. Mm -hmm. And so I was wondering if you could maybe give us some tips, both as parents dealing with mental health challenges, but especially how to help our kids. I know COVID triggered a lot of issues. So what are some tips or ideas or thoughts, resources you can share with us to help us as mothers? 
so much. I'll hit some of the highlights here. We know that at least one in five children struggle with a mental health condition. Now, mental wellness does not really mean whether you have a, a health condition or not. So it certainly can, but this is such a big topic. And that is also a huge number. One in five is a lot of kids that are struggling with something that is clinically significant symptoms. Now, of course, during the pandemic, we did see an increase um, in those struggles in young people and I think adults alike. And so it is really important to really take a step back and look at what we need to do for our emotional wellness if our, our child or ourselves are part of that one in five to really make sure that we're getting the help that we need, because these are medical conditions that often require medical intervention. <laughs> it's important to understand that it's more than just willpower, or I just need to pull myself up by my bootstraps and do it type of thing. A lot of times we need specific interventions and sometimes medication to help really treat this underlying medical condition that manifests with our emotional behavioral health. Mm. <clears throat> That's really, really good advice. I was just thinking that a lot of times people have a stigma around first even going to a mental health provider, but then getting medication for mental health issues. What would you say to a mom who's struggling with those questions or issues right now? I always tell people, call a therapist in your area or talk to your child's pediatrician, just explore those issues. And certainly I find that when parents call my office, they're so afraid that I'm going to pathologize their, their child. It's just not the case. Really what we do more is kind of normalize emotional struggle. That is something that we all encounter. It's just to what level of intensity. So it's really important for kids, just like they learn math and social studies and whatever their interests, uh, learn how to play soccer. We have emotions. <laughs> they require attention. They require some training, especially during really interesting times, like living during this pandemic. And honestly, pandemic aside, just being a child in today's society you might need a few skills. You might need to recognize emotions. A child's brain is not fully developed, so they really need assistance to help navigate this. Unfortunately, a lot of parents too are so busy. Most of the time, both parents are, are working or a single parent is, is raising a child or grandparent is raising the, the child. There isn't always that time to sit down and discuss these things. There's soccer practice and there's all these activities and parent coming home way late or divided shifts. So families have, have never been busier, but the need is so great to spend time together and to really check in with each other. Sometimes working with a therapist, we can find ways to really maximize that time, to really maximize the health of our child and ourselves too, as a parent or as a caregiver. And so it is really important to take a step back and look at the global picture, understand that if your child has anxiety or a behavioral condition or autism or whatever the condition may be, they're in good company. So it doesn't mean that they're defective or broken just means they're fancy, right? So we just have to learn how to drive that fancy nervous system. And that's really what it comes down to. Some kids and adults just require more driving lessons than others to learn how to drive their emotional health and behavioral health. I really liked uh, the way you explained that, Dr. Renardi. We're dealing with things now that I never even knew existed when I was raising my children. They're being more accepted. They're being more recognized. But 
how do grandparents support their children and grandchildren through these issues? And how can we, as an older generation, have a better or broader understanding of the impact this has? Yeah, I think that it is something that, especially when we look at different generational experiences, it is really hard to understand that because it's so different. The world is so different and in many ways, as far as stressors go and pressures on kids and things like that. So it is just how big the world is for them, comparisons that they're doing. And that is really something that drives anxiety and depression in kids and adolescents is always doing this upward comparison. We live um, in a time where if you ask your grandkids, your children, like, who do you look up to? Who would you want to meet if you could? A lot of kids will answer with like a YouTube influencer or somebody uh, along those lines, which we have I don't have any idea who they are. <laughs> like if I ask my, my daughter, <laughs> no clue. But if you watch them, oftentimes it's this very false reality or they're just being silly or funny or doing pranks. Certainly if you're working with teenagers, they're showing like, oh, look at me, I'm in Dubai and me and all my friends are on a private jet and look at these fancy clothes and all of this mm. nice stuff that I have. Even when kids aren't looking for that, it really makes them look at themselves and, the, and their own bodies. Girls, of course, but especially boys, we're noticing an, an increase in that too, where they're like, well, why don't I have abs? Why don't I look that way? How do I get my hair to do that thing? How do I be cool and accepted? And how can I be um, more recognized? How do I get more likes? How do I get more followers? There's a fantastic documentary that I just watched called Fake Famous. And it talks about this and it talks about Wow, it is fake. You can buy likes, you can buy followers, they're robots, right? So even famous people do it, where maybe they have 30 million followers. Well, maybe 25 million of them. I mean, they could be famous. They could be some movie star or something like that. But even they tend to buy these followers and these likes and these comments. And kids are comparing themselves to that. And it's not even real. They're never going to be able to achieve it. And so they're really looking into a false reality and, and expectations that not even the NBA player is meeting themselves, right? So it's really important to understand a little bit more about these things ourselves as parents, grandparents, caregivers, teachers, and learning a little bit more about the world that our kids are getting into. I do a little bit of Facebook. That's kind of my generation, but I'm a careful consumer on what I watch. But in order to work with my teenagers and have a better understanding of what they do, I'll look at the TikTok videos. I'll look at some of that stuff. And it's mostly like people dancing and like kind of little tiny outfits. So it's something that I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay. This is what my teenage girls are watching. This is what my child is watching. If she's watching YouTube videos, I want to sit with her. I don't have to sit with her every single moment that she's watching it, but I have to be dialed in a little bit as to what she's consuming so that we can talk about that and, and look at these shows. And also to teach my child to be a critical thinker, to not believe everything that they're seeing or everything that they're hearing. So it is um, important. One day my daughter, she loves space. And so she's flipping through the channels and she came upon ancient aliens. And so she's like, well, this is cool. So I was like, all right, well, we can watch a little bit. So we're watching it. Apparently there was a spaceship that was landing and it, it was landing and it hit a windmill. And when it hit the windmill, it burst, fell apart and crashed. And so I joked with my daughter, I'm like, well, it made it through the asteroid belt just fine. But as soon as it hit that windmill, like it was over. 
<laughs> that example really stuck with her that she was like, wait a second. Yeah, <laughs> that, that really doesn't make sense to me that, you know, it survived all of that, but it hit a windmill and burst and broke into pieces. That doesn't make sense. And so it's giving some of those concrete examples to our kids to, to show them not everything that they're seeing. And my daughter sometimes will run into the room, mom, did you know that this man had a baby? And da, da, da. like, well, uh-huh. men can't really have, no, it happened. So we'll, we'll talk about like, well, let's, let's explore that. Let's look at a scientific article about that. There might be some conditions or there might be some gender issues or things like that, that we can explore and discuss. But it's complicated, right? Mm -hmm. So it's being able to have our kids think critically, to be able to challenge some of those comparisons. A healthy amount of skepticism is a good thing. I think that's something that's lacking a lot of times in our kids. That is really good advice. I have many opportunities to talk with my grandchildren and find out what is happening or what they are doing. There have been times that I've said, whoa, wait a minute. What did you say? Then we can talk about it. Thank you, Dr. Renardi. We'll be right back. Thank you to our listeners for your continued support. Help us spread the word about the podcast. Please be sure to like, leave a comment, and share episodes of American Mothers Mom to Mom podcasts on all your social media outlets. We can best support each other as mothers if we share good things that will help all of us and our families. Remember, listen like, comment, and share. Dr. Renardi, you were saying that a healthy amount of skepticism is a good thing, and it might be something that is lacking in our kids today. What other ways can we help our children and ourselves be more aware? Our educational system, I think, is is great in so many ways, but so often kids are taught like, okay, read this, memorize it, take the test. Is it A, B, C, or D? That's it. Right. So really real life works very differently. Much of my life was spent in education. And so when I finished, it's kind of like being in the military and you got to get used to civilian life. I had to get, get used to life outside of an educational system. And I had to really learn. Things don't always go as planned. Usually if I study for the test, I'll get an A. So it's kind of guaranteed. But life doesn't always work that way. I can study. I can work really hard. But it doesn't always mean that I'm going to get a yes or that everything's going to work out exactly as planned. And that's a really important thing to share with people too, because no matter how hard you work, no matter how careful you are, you're probably still going to experience some failure in life. That's something that's really important for uh, our young people to know about too, to to be able to understand that. First of all, they have these unrealistic expectations because of all the fake famous that they see. They're not always accustomed to failure, not always accustomed to viewing things in a skeptical kind of way being able to take a step back and and look at things uh, differently. The other piece that I would say contributes to some of the the generational differences is emotional tolerance. This is something I've had to watch myself too. I know growing up a a child of the seventies, we were outside playing lawn darts, right? We were (laughs) riding our bike and falling off and I was away from home. If I skinned my knee, I had to figure it out. Whereas now so many parents were so protective, understandably so, but we're so protective of our children we dive in and save them right away. It's like, okay, I'm, we're going to wear the knee pads. If you fall, you're fine. You will never experience any pain. I'm going to do everything I can to create a clear path 
for you. But the problem with that is, again, it's going to happen anyway. Our kids are still going to get hurt. They're still going to get picked on. They're still going to have struggles. They're still going to fail a test from time to time. There's going to be things that happen at some point. We have to allow them to fail. We have to allow them to practice some of these skills, knowing that they've got a safe home base to come back to. But they need that emotional practice in order to build a little emotional tolerance. And that's something that I see oftentimes, too, is that when kids have had that path cleared for them and everything's you know, going pretty good, it's like, what do you call that, curling? Where people are like using brushes. You can tell I live in a part of the U.S. that is, is cold, right? We play with ice sports. But it's something that is trying to smooth that path, not have any bumps, not slow them down. But as soon as they hit that bump, they don't have any experience handling this. Oh, my gosh, there is blood on my knee. I do not know what this means, right? <laughs> is it ever going to stop? So we have to give our kids some of those experiences and allow them to have some of the skills to prepare them for adult life, to prepare them for hard emotions. It's part of our human existence. Rejection. Not everyone's going to like us. We're not going to like everybody, but there are ways to handle that. So I think that it's being able to, to talk about these things and setting our kids up for more success and being able to manage their own emotional life because they're going to have it. So it's just part of, again, part of our human existence. It's going to happen. At one point in life, we're all going to experience grief. We're all going to experience anxiety. We're going to experience some deep sadness, sometimes that can turn into depression. So it is really good to understand, learn about these conditions, not be afraid of them. Most of the time they are treatable. There's things that we can do. Even when people have super duper fancy nervous systems, there's ways to drive it. There's ways to have them create their own existence. It might look different than their sibling or from your existence or something like that, but that's okay. So it, it can still be a very purposeful life. Well, that's great. I was just thinking uh, the nuggets that I'm pulling out. One of the key ones is first teach your children to not always compare themselves to others, especially with the fake reality going on. So maybe emphasize their skills and abilities that make them unique for them. Yeah. So that's one of my takeaways. Another one that I was thinking of is building that emotional resilience, teaching them. I was trying to think of how to best do this. And one of the things that popped into my head was maybe telling a story from my own life. Like, hey, I remember this time when I had a really hard experience like this, where my friends didn't want to talk to me either. And here's what I did. Maybe I handled it well, or I wish I would have done this instead. But I think sometimes sharing stories from our own life are ways that we can relate to our kids, even though it's different. But are there any other thoughts? I was just trying to brainstorm of how we can apply this as parents, besides obviously take them to therapy if, mm -hmm. if yeah, it's yeah. needed, but how else we teach this emotional resilience that we have learned through our experiences. Is yeah. that the best way to teach it? Are there other factors that, that you could add on to that? I think that's a great place to work with our kids is when they experience something difficult, when they get bullied in school or something, oftentimes, whether it's my own child or the kids that I work with, I will share an experience of when I was bullied. So, or when I got picked on or when the girl behind me was drawing on the back of my neck or calling me names or times that I felt insecure and how I handled it which oftentimes wasn't very good, right? Just we didn't have the skills. And I think that's yeah. the other important thing. Because again, that comparison, kids to look to us and be like, well, you know how to handle that. Well, yeah, because I've failed 50 other times to get here, right? right? So 
And it's something that is being able to, to let them know that is part of the process. And I always, you know, tell my daughter, tell the kids I work with, like, wow, this is amazing. You're doing so much better than I did at this stage. Mm-hmm. You're, you're learning so much more. I didn't know this until I was like in my early 20s. So when you're 12, that's amazing. But it's being able to let them know that it's a journey. It's never a final destination. So if I got bullied today, still hurts. And and having done television and things like that, of course, there's trolls. Of course, there's people that'll be like, hey, Dr. Bernardi looked really fat on tonight's episode or things Mm -hmm. like that. That hurts a little bit because they're bullying. They're saying unkind things or what they think is going to be unkind to me. But it's something that it's being able to to look at those things and to be like, okay, how much do I want to let that sink in? Of course, it hurts. I can identify that. But is it true? Is it helpful? Mm. Is there another way to think about it? And this is where we we really start to learn those things to understand. Yeah, emotions are hard. Sometimes it's hard to get bullied. It hurts when people say unkind things or flat out mean and horrible things. Where do you feel that in your body? When I feel insecure, when I feel embarrassed, shameful, where do I feel that? Our emotions don't just occur up here. A lot of times they're here and here, here. So to be able to identify what is the emotion that I'm having right now. And this is just part of emotional intelligence. So what would I call this thing that I'm experiencing right now or multiple emotions that I'm having in this moment? Where do I feel that in my body? How does that emotion impact my behavior? Um, Do I have any skills that can help me when I'm ready to move past? Sometimes I sit with this emotion, like my feelings are hurt, right? Mm -hmm. Understandably so, but they're not going to stay hurt forever. When I'm ready, when I've process this enough and I've given it enough time and I'm ready to move on now. What can I do to help myself do that? That's where learning those life skills are so, so, so important. As we grow up, we hopefully we learn some tools along the way. Either we learned them on our own. Maybe we learned from a friend or a parent, or maybe we learned them from a therapist or a doctor. Awesome. However they happen. But when people are, are having bigger emotions that the everyday like coping skills are not working, it's just not enough or those emotions we're not ready to move on we're, we're stuck or maybe we're ready but can't move on that's where maybe we need some advanced skills i always call it driving lessons if we're dealing with a big nervous system or a big situation we might need some advanced driving lessons and that's a really important thing to, that's what therapy is and that doesn't need to be scary it's not pathologizing if you find the right therapist not all therapy is the same. That's another thing for people to understand because sometimes we're like, oh, we went to a therapist. It was a disaster. I'm like, okay, well, what happened? Yeah, that was a disaster. Wow. <laughs> I'm glad you left. <laughs> you right. have to be a good consumer, but if something doesn't work, try somebody else. Have a conversation like that. Tell the other therapist, like, look, this is what we've been through before. Or we were recommended to try a medication. We tried it and it was terrible. Work with your pediatrician, work with your child's therapist, understand, be involved with your child without being too overly protective. I know that's a tough line to to find sometimes, but to be engaged, not to be dismissive because it is hard. 
so it's very hard to be a kid nowadays. So I'd be like, ah, you're fine. Oh, I had much worse things than, than you had growing up. Or there's kids around the world that would do anything to have your life. And while those things might be true, they're not so helpful at the times because everyone has their own version of suffering, right? We can't compare suffering just like we can't compare to these other things either. Everyone just has to focus on what do I need to do for myself? How can I have self-compassion so that I can work through this and take care of myself? Yeah, there's different versions of suffering, but this one is mine. And what can I do about it? And how do I take responsibility for myself? Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Renardi, this has been such an honor to have you on the show today. Will you tell us your website again? Sure. I'm really easy to find. So you can just Google my name, Renee Renardi, or my website for my clinical practice is lakesidecenter.org. Courage Critters is couragecritters.com. You can reach me either place. I also have a professional Facebook page, Dr. Renee Renardi, and you can find me there as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. And those resources are on which page? The resources for the forms that's on lakesidecenter.org. There's two forms that I really encourage people to to take a look at under lakesidecenter.org, go to the tab forms and scroll down to cognitive distortions. That sounds really messed up, but we all have cognitive distortions, right? They're just unhelpful thoughts that we all tend to have. Take a look at those. There is a worksheet called the thought challenging worksheet. It's pretty self-explanatory, but if people have questions, let me know. So cognitive distortions, and thought challenging. The other thing that I would encourage people to look at, there's a meditation on there called loving kindness. This is a self-compassion and compassion toward others meditation, which is really, really nice. Sometimes people get afraid to meditate. They think that it's a religious practice. It's not. This is just a mental health practice. Thank you again. This has been so amazing. Thank you for sharing your wisdom, your time, your experience, your stories. Uh, it has just been so fun to talk to you today. Well, thank you. I had fun as well. Thank, I, I'm happy to come back anytime. So with you lovely <laughs> ladies, I, I enjoyed it very much. We did too. Thank you so much, mm-hmm. Dr. Minardi. I'm sure you all know about the golden rule. In American Mothers, we have the golden rule movement. The golden rule movement encourages moms to do what they do best teach kindness in their families and to others. The golden rule movement creates a more positive and empathetic culture in America by empowering, educating, and inspiring women to lead by example and model kindness and compassion through volunteerism and acts of service in families and in their communities. Each week we like to share a quote from a member of American Mothers. I found a quote from Mildred Barthel, the 1982 Mother of the Year from Iowa. She said this about emotions. Changing habits and patterns of behavior that are well established is not easy and requires consistent effort. We may make good progress and then find ourselves slipping backward again. If we do and find ourselves making another mistake, don't think all is lost. Just pull yourself together and retake If we persist, we can gradually make the changes that will improve our personal lives and home life. Have you ever heard of the term ikigai? It's a Japanese word that applies to every one of us, including our children. Dr. Renardi will be with us next week to help us understand the importance of ikigai in our lives and how we can help our children build this in themselves. You definitely want to be there. Hi, I'm Vanessa Parton, and I am the 2022 Mother of the Year. 
for the District of Columbia. We use the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. No matter how people were treating you, you treated them the way that you wanted to be treated. And that we share, we share whatever we have with those who are less fortunate without expectation of anything in return, that it is a giving way. We have a lot, we may not have a whole lot, but whatever we have, we should be willing to share at any time. so much for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of mom-to-mom encouragement. We understand that being a mother can be overwhelming, but we hope that you found something useful you can apply to your own life. We invite you to share this episode with a friend who might also enjoy the message. The mission of American Mothers is to support mothers, empowering them to positively impact their families and communities. We want each one of you to discover and share your innate, inherent, and natural abilities to bless your children and others. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the American Mothers mom to mom podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of American Mothers Incorporated, its members or employees. AMI is not responsible for, nor does it verify the accuracy of the information contained in the podcast, nor does the series constitute any professional advice or services. We look forward to visiting with you one mom to another next week. Until then, just do your best at mothering and remember you're not alone. You've got an army of mothers all around you cheering you on.